relationships, finances, or work. We deal with family dysfunction, work pressure, or failing health. The minute we wake up, we are submerged into a world that feels dark and unforgiving. We are often desperate to get our heads above water and just breathe. But in the middle of it all, there is a remedy to the ache in the world. There is a quiet power that sits in the midst of the oppressive noise. This remedy, this power, finds its fullness in the presence of Jesus. Where the shadow of sorrow falls, he is our joy. Where confusion reigns, he is peace. Where despair triumphs, he is our only hope. And when hate seems to rule the atmosphere, he is unveiled as the greatest power known to humanity, love. This story of redemption began 2,000 years ago with the appearing of the one, and it continues today. And one day every sorrow will be wiped away, every pain dealt will be redeemed. But in the meantime, he gives us the greatest gift that he can give, himself. Amen to that sultry voice up there. Um, <laughs> In case you didn't know, that was, that was me. Um, my name is Ryan Romeo. Uh, I, am, I oversee Creative Arts and uh, the, the uh, executive director over Creative Arts. And I don't get to speak very often, so when I do, I really do take it seriously. Um, today, I'm going to be bringing the word and uh, talking through peace this morning. This morning, we're going to be talking about peace. We're in the middle of our Advent series, and David Stockton, our lead pastor, kicked it off last week, did an amazing job, talked about joy. If you missed it, it's online. Uh, you could go grab it on YouTube or wherever else. Um, but we are starting all of our Advent series off with a little bit of liturgy. Now, I know some of you maybe come from a liturgical background. We're not getting liturgical. We're just trying something new this season. Sometimes trying something new awakens your senses kind of in a new way. So let's lean in a little bit. Faith Cummings, one of our pastors, is going to read a section of scripture for us today on peace. Take it away, Faith. Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. 
Thank you, Faith. Now we're going to do a little bit of reading and responding. If you guys wouldn't mind standing up. This is where we're getting serious about the liturgy here. So I need you guys to dig deep. It's going to be you that's going to be responding. So I am going to say the first line, which is, we light the candle of peace. And then you all respond with what's underlined up on the screen. Okay? Are you guys ready? I know it's the peace sermon, but muster up a little bit of energy for this. And let's all, let's all be together as one. We light the candle of peace. 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 You guys could be seated. Let's dive in. We've got a baptism later. It's really exciting. We always love baptisms around here. It's going to be awesome. So let's dive straight into our text. Uh, John 16, 31. Jesus replied, now you finally believe in me, and the time has come when you will all be scattered, and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you, and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. And in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you that everybody that's here is not here on accident. We thank you that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you give us something brand new. Each one of us, including me, you give us something brand new this morning. So, Lord, we open our hands with expectant waiting. We pray that you would prepare our hearts for what you want to say this morning. And, Lord, we pray that your name would be glorified and your peace would grow in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had my first anxiety attack probably about 10 years ago. I was on vacation with my family, and we had just had our first uh, child, Toby, and um, we were in California enjoying a little vacation, and I started to get sick, and I started to get a fever, and as it was going on and as I was progressing, it was a sickness that was unlike anything I'd ever felt before, and my fever was getting higher, and all I could say is there's just a weird sensation in my whole body that I had never felt before. Um, And when my fever would spike, my back, my lower back would start hurting. I'd have this really weird tickle sensation, this pain in my back. And as it was going on, I started to realize this is not normal. And I was laying in bed, and I thought, I think I need to go to the hospital. So uh, I told my wife, Blake, I said, I I think we need to go to the ER. So we went to the ER. Um, It was my birthday that day. And um, my birthday happens to be on September 11th. And uh, so that day, at the time, swine flu was like this big thing. So they thought I had swine flu. So they put me into quarantine um, and like left me in this cold room and uh, gave me a TV with no remote. And the TV in the corner was just playing a reenactment of 9-11 on NBC the entire time. So I was sitting in quarantine on my birthday, watching this 9-11 recap for hours 
And uh, they did some blood work, and they had to wear, like, full masks when they came in. It was a little crazy. And um, did some blood work, and the doctor came back, and he said, your white blood count is really low. He said, do you have cancer or AIDS? And I said, is there a third option? Because <laughs> I don't like either one of those. And um, from that point on, it started really a breakdown in my body. Um, my white blood count started going pretty low. Um, I would get blood work done probably once a week, and there would be some new problem. Um, my liver started to kind of act up a little, and just weird things that were going on at that time. And I was going doctor to doctor trying to go, hey, what's going on with me? And especially after like three or four weeks of having a fever, the doctors were like, we know something's really wrong with you, but we don't know what it is. And it was the first time in my life, you know, a, you know, a guy in his mid-20s, I had never really confronted mortality before. And this was the first time in my life that I really cared. <laughs> it was the first time in my life I was like, I don't want my son growing up not knowing who his dad is. And this confusion of, I don't know what's happening in my body, but it's bad and it's not, it's not going well. And one night I woke up and I was laying there, everyone was asleep, and I would just like have kind of cold shivers all night and I'd sweat all night. And I woke up and um, I started to feel a different sensation. I felt my chest and I held it for a couple minutes and I was like, I think my heart stopped. Now, logically, my heart didn't stop, obviously. I'm like, Ryan, there's this logical part of my brain going, Ryan, if your heart stopped, it would be a lot more catastrophic than you holding your chest for five minutes going, did my heart stop? Um, I knew that logically, but for some reason, that just was not real accessible to me, and I was starting to really freak out, and I started to feel this other feeling. I was like, ooh, I don't know, is there enough oxygen in this room? And I'm like, something wrong with my lungs or my heart, or I'm like, I feel like I can't get a breath, and I'm breathing really heavy, and of course, I start getting lightheaded because I'm hyperventilating. I'm like, oh, now I'm getting dizzy. Oh, no. And I got out of bed, and I just, real, I just remember going, I'm going through this huge confusing, scary thing, and nobody around me really understands it. My wife is sleeping next to me, and I went out into my living room, and I was praying, and I was worshiping. I was trying everything I could, and then on the inside, I was just like, I just need a distraction, and I just turned the TV on. I was like, I just need to like break my, my cycle of thought here, and it was so real, I thought for sure it was something physical, so everything else in my body was going bad. I thought, well, now my heart's going bad, so... Went to a heart doctor, and uh, she did some tests on me, and she's like, no, your heart looks fine. She's like, I think you had a panic attack. And I had never heard of that. Um, right now, everybody's talking about anxiety, and, but 10 plus years ago, it was a, a brand new concept for me, and I said, so what's an anxiety attack? She said, well, it's, you know, it's in your mind, and it feels very, very physical, but it's, it's mental. And I thought, oh, that's not good news. <laughs> I've lost control of my body, and now I've lost control of my mind, and like now my mind's wreaking havoc on me. And um, it was a really, really long season of really dealing with anxiety and understanding that um, even in that time, the idea of an anxiety attack would give me an anxiety attack. And those of you who have dealt with it in this room know what I'm talking about. Maybe even now I'm like putting you in danger of having an anxiety attack. But at the time, I'd go, oh, I think I'm having an anxiety attack. Go, oh no, am I going to have one? Oh, I'm definitely having an anxiety attack, you know. And my brain would just like kick into this thing automatically and I just couldn't control it. Um, and it was the first time in my life. And I know I'm not alone. 40% um, of Americans right now 
say they are more anxious about the future now than they were last year. 40 million Americans have an anxiety disorder, so something like panic attacks, something that maybe you even take medication for. And it seems like as a society, we keep getting better and better at technology, we keep getting better and better at all these different things, um, but we, we seem to be regressing emotionally. We seem to be regressing into this place where we really can't handle a lot. And anxiety is a very, very real thing. And if you've, if, you, if you've gone through it, it does. It feels very physical. And the sickness that I had, it lasted about eight months. And um, when I see pictures of myself at that time, I was like so skinny. I mean, I'm so skinny now. I know that. Um, but I was like super skinny at that time and just like bags under my eyes. And um, it was a really, really hard season. And at the end of it, I had an amazing doctor who took a lot of time to go over my blood work. And he said, you know, I think you actually have an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And I, of course, had never heard of that. And I couldn't pronounce it like I can today. Um, and basically, it's a rheumatic, it's like rheumatoid arthritis, but for your back. And he said, you could have it your whole life, and you may never have bouts of it, but you went through a really bad bout of it, and you could help yourself with some medication and diet changes. And so I did that, and I started to get it under control. It's not like it has a cure. It's just something that I have to kind of deal with. And, um, and I started to learn how to, okay, like with diet and, and medication, get it under control. But the thing that it left was the anxiety. The anxiety didn't go away with a diet change. The anxiety didn't go away uh, with medication. And I was left with this thing of going, oh, no, I still have the anxiety, even though my body is now starting to come into control. And this morning, what I want to talk about is these two different worlds. You've got this outer world, and you've got an inner world. Your outer world is like your financial life. It's your health life. I know it feels like an inner world thing, your health, but it's really this outer world thing for this morning. Um, you may have something at work. You may have relational problems around Christmas. We're confronting all of our relationships that are dysfunctional. Um, you have these things outside of your control, this outer world that a lot of times we try to white knuckle, this outer world that we're like, we just need to get it in control. And the world tells us that peace is gained when this outer world is in control, when your health and your finances and everything is going well, the world says that that's the kind of peace that you need. And what Jesus is saying in this source text, at the very end, he says, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow. Your outer world, Jesus never promised, will be great. <laughs> in fact, he's not even really giving himself a foot out. He's going, this, this is going to be really hard. And in the context of the disciples, he says in the beginning, you will all be scattered. Jesus knew the context in which he was saying that. Every one of those disciples, except for Judas and um, uh, John, were going to be martyred. John obviously was uh, exiled to the island of Patmos where uh, he wrote the book of Revelation and Judas committed suicide. But everyone else, you look historically, they, they died a martyr's death. And he's saying from this moment on, you're going to be scattered and your life is going to be really hard and you're going to go through persecution and then you're going to die. Jesus knows that when he's saying that to his disciples. He's going, things are about to get really, really hard. He says, but everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. And it's not an outer world peace. Jesus is saying, there is this special peace that I have reserved for you when your outer world is falling apart, that your inner world stays healthy 
that it's bulletproof, that this sort of peace that I'm giving you is not just an emotion of peace. I think we all think like, oh, it's peace, you know, peace on earth. You feel peaceful. Um, you're relaxed. You know, that's kind of our definition of peace. Um, but the, the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about is a rooted, deep peace. And he says, he says you're going to have trouble and sorrows. It's a kind of peace that can sit inside of a life that has trouble and sorrows. You can be mourning for a loss in your life and still have peace. You can have immense trouble in your life and you can still have peace. You could be facing a martyr's death and still have peace. And to really understand this sort of peace, you have to look at it in the way that Jesus looked at it. He was a rabbi. He was looking through a Jewish lens when it came to peace. And in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word for peace is this beautiful, colorful word called shalom. And I can barely scratch the surface of what that word means this morning, uh, but I'm going to read a few of the words uh, out of Strong's Concordance. It says, complete, whole, harmonious, complete, full, perfect. It's this idea that even in like, that everything is going well, that everything's fit, fitting together just right in your life. That like this confusion of life is all making sense because it's all linear and it's all put together. And that's what's so interesting about this word is that, yes, you could use it for a lack of conflict. So if there's two groups that are fighting each other and they, they become peaceful with each other, it's shalom. Shalom is brought between the two of them. But it's also used when Solomon finished the temple, he brought shalom to the temple. It's this idea that it's complete, it's done. And this is the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about. It's not this emotion that we talk about in the Western world. It's not a result of your outside being all together. What it is a result of is Jesus living inside of you. And the peace that he gives is far different than anyone, anywhere else. And you look back over the history of Israel, I mean, they really never experienced shalom Maybe they had moments of shalom in their life, but you look over the history of Israel and you're like, there's wars and there's times where they're turning away from God. There's times where they're in exile. There's times where they're um, uh, slaves. And it's almost teasing the people of Israel to give them this word because they had never really experienced this completeness, this wholeness, this fullness of peace that this word means. And that's what makes today's reading, when Faith was reading, so powerful. In Isaiah, when it says, you know, he's, he, he, he is a wonderful counselor and all these things, and it finishes with Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, Isaiah says that the Prince of Peace is coming. The Prince of Shalom is actually on his way. And he's coming in the form of a baby. He's coming in the form of a child. And what he's going to bring is true shalom that all of us have been waiting for is now on its way. And when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he said, this is the kind of peace. This is what I'm trying to give to you. I'm trying to impart something new to you. I love when Paul in Ephesians 2, he's talking about Jesus, talking about attributes of Jesus. And it says, he himself, he's, ta he's talking about like the embodiment of Jesus. He himself is our peace. 
And that blew my mind. I read that. I'm like, he's the incarnation of peace himself. Like he, we're looking for this emotion of peace when peace showed up as a baby, as a person of Jesus incarnate on earth. He is our peace. I was talking to uh, someone recently who's a little bit younger in the faith and we were talking about anxiety. Um, he said, yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety. He said, I met with somebody on staff who told me, you know, asked me the question, are you, are you spending time with Jesus every morning? And he said, no, I'm not. And, uh, and I had talked to him after the fact. He said, I've been doing it for a while and it works. I feel a lot less anxious in life. And we were like, yeah, that's, that's what happens. A lot of us don't understand that we have access to peace right now. We have access to Jesus right now. It doesn't mean that your world is going great. Doesn't mean uh, that you're not sad about that thing that happened. Doesn't mean uh, that you're not going through troubles. But it does mean that you have access to peace right now that is deeper than outside circumstance. One of the biggest things I think I learned when I was sick um, and coming out of it, and the root of what was really triggering my anxiety, and it took years for me to, to really recognize this, um, it was not one of those things. I had very well-meaning people you know, going, hey, here's some Bible verses, and here's some stuff you should do. And, and I had like two thank yous in my heart. First was like, thank you. Thank you so much for caring about me. And another one was like, thank you. I've been following Jesus a long time. I, I've been doing those things, you know. And, um, and there was this season where I just really had to work out this anxiety alongside my relationship with Jesus. And at some point, I started to realize the root of all of it was control. I was trying to control something that I couldn't control. I was like, I'm going to make my health better. And we love this around here. We're like, take this supplement, do this thing. And you know, like, this is how you could get this thing under control. And a lot of that helps, not, not against any of that. But sometimes in our life, not sometimes, we will 100% reach moments where we go, I can't control this. I really, really want to control this. And it's not just health, finances, or whatever. I really, really want to control this. But God, I am surrendering to you. God, not my will, but yours be done, what Jesus prayed. At some point, we have to surrender to that and go, Lord, you are in control of this, and I'm not, and I'm going to trust you with it. Because when we put serious effort into controlling our outer world, we actually lose control of our inner world. And that was what I learned with anxiety. I was trying to control this out here, and I was white-knuckling it so hard that I had lost track of this, and I lost complete control of what was going on in here. And it took me years to get out of it. But I do stand today going, I haven't had an anxiety attack in a very long time. And I'm so thankful to Jesus for that. There is hope. There really is hope. But sometimes it just takes time to get there. But I will say this. I think we are all richer having gone through something really difficult and having peace in it than if everything on the outside is going well. The Bible says that we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a miraculous peace. But if you go through nothing hard, your life is great and you have peace, that doesn't speak any volumes to anybody. The world looks at that and goes, of course you have peace. Everything's going well in your life. But when we, as followers of Jesus, have moments where things are falling apart and yet we have peace, that's miraculous peace. 
That's a piece that people go, what is it that you have? Because I don't have that. I am missing that piece. How, how are you going through this thing in your life and yet you are remaining peaceful? I don't understand that. That's the kind of peace that Jesus wants to give us, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we have to surrender. We have to relinquish control. We have to rest in the peace that Jesus gives us. I'm gonna finish with this, Romans, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in this hope, of, uh, boast in the hope of this glory of God. See, our peace rests not in us, but it rests in the presence of Jesus. The peace does not rest on the outer world being all put together. It rests on an inner world that's, that's really relying on Jesus. And ultimately, we have all experienced this sort of faith, hopefully, those of us following Jesus, this faith that changes everything. And when we put our hope in Jesus, that is the absolute foundation of all of our, uh, all of our peace. And I want to talk to a group of people right now, maybe... Maybe you are experiencing a lot of anxiety. Maybe you are going through something really, really hard. Your outer world is breaking down and you don't know Jesus at all. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is right around the corner. I don't care where you come from. I don't know who coerced you into coming to church this morning. But right now, this is a message for you. If you have not turned your life to Jesus, if you've not surrendered at all to him, you will never experience peace. What the world tells you is peaceful is not peaceful until you experience the person of peace himself, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you that, God, you are the incarnation of peace. God, this, this Christmas time, we remember you were sent down to earth as the prince of peace, and in the midst of chaos and confusion, you calm the storm. Jesus, you give us a peace that no one can steal. So right now, Lord, open our eyes to that, God. We have access to peace right now, Lord. Those of us that are following you, Jesus, I pray we would turn our eyes to you. We'd sink our anchor back into you, the real root of our peace. And right now, anyone in this room if you've never put your trust in Jesus, maybe you went to church a long time ago and you, you've just come back, I wanna tell you that Jesus is just around the corner. And following him is far greater than a prayer, but a prayer is a beautiful, beautiful start. So if that's you and you know who you are, just right now with your eyes closed and your head bowed, just repeat this prayer after me. And you don't even have to do it out loud. You could do it in your head. Jesus hears that too. Lord Jesus, I confess I've been going my own way. I confess that I have sinned and fallen short. And Lord, I put my trust in you. I believe that you died and rose again. And I now confess you as Lord. I want to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to start diving into our baptism, no pun intended. Um, And if you just accepted Jesus and you're feeling like, hey, maybe I want to go all the way with this thing, we've got, it's like, it's ready to go. Uh, We've got some shirts or something for you, something dry to, to, you know, afterward, if you, if you feel like you want to get baptized. But now is the time as a church, as a family, we get to celebrate with people who not only prayed the prayer, but they went the step further and they're, they're wanting to demonstrate publicly that they want to follow Jesus. So join me in welcoming everyone on stage that wants to get baptized. <laughs>